Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of the In Lockdown With podcast with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is playwright Tracy Harris. Hi Tracy, how's it going? Hi Kieran, good bye. Thanks for coming on. How's, how's lockdown been for you? Oh, it's been a bit strange. Um, but um yeah i found it quite hard to write to be honest mm. um during this time and be that creative um but it's made me sort of just start thinking in different ways i guess mm. and have a bit of time out which has been really nice mm. just to be able to read and watch films and do things that i never normally have time to do <laughs> yeah uh, and do you think it's kind of made you think about, about writing for theatre maybe in a different way? Because maybe when we go back, when theatre comes back, we might not be able to make it in the same way that we've made it in the past. Yeah, I think all of those questions have definitely been big things going through my head, which I think is probably going through lots of creatives' heads. You know, how do we make theatre now and what is theatre now um and what should we be writing about i think is you know is a Mm. big is a big question actually um so yeah i think all of those questions have have been swirling around in my head um but i feel like it's been a really good time to actually reevaluate all of that um you know, and I think it's good as creatives to, to be thinking in that way because hopefully when we can get back in the theatre there will be lots of exciting and new and innovative work that may not have happened, you know. That's the thing, what, what kind of plays are going to be able to be produced that were written during this period and what new voices are going to emerge? Definitely, uh, hopefully not just lots of monologues. Hopefully not. <laughs> uh, the first thing I want to ask you is what I ask everyone on the podcast is, how did you first get interested in theatre? Okay, so this is a funny one for me because I'm not, I'm not from a theatre background at all. I never went to the theatre as a child. Um, my parents weren't into theatre um, so <laughs> I'm a bit of a strange one, um, but we did every Christmas, um, which is I think similar for a lot of people. Um, my parents belong to a social club, and they would take a busload of kids to uh, Swansea Grand Theatre to the pantomime um, every Christmas, yeah. and so that was always a big sort of like treat. 
treat for us mm-hmm. and I remember they always gave us like with your ticket they gave you a bag full of sweets <laughs> and an orange for some reason so yeah that was like the excitement of the bus trip and the pantomime and I always remember enjoying it not actually thinking oh this is something I could do but just yeah. enjoying it and having a good time you know and so I think, yeah and kind of in terms of um, being involved in theatre and kind of performing yourself or, or creating theatre. Did you do much of that when you were a child or a young person? Yeah, so I think, again, because I was like the youngest, I think my way of getting attention was being the, the crazy one that dressed up and did silly things. So I always remember doing that. Um, and then in school... I went to a really creative primary school in Swansea um, where we always put on kind of shows. Um, So one of the earliest memories is us doing um, The Wizard of Oz and I was Dorothy. um, But the the set was really professional for six-year-olds. Amazing. (laughs) I still think that now. I look at it and I'm like, whoa, that was professional. The yellow brick road, everything was there. so, yeah, I think having that experience of mm. doing that in school and actually, because I was quite shy in school, and so I think almost being forced into doing that mm. really helped me because it was a way of me being kind of more confident and being able to express myself, maybe. Uh, and in terms of uh, writing, is, is writing something that you've always done since you were a child or or did you make a decision to start writing do you know what I mean yeah um I I don't remember writing like you know some kids are are always writing stories and stuff I don't remember doing that but I remember so my sister is a year older than me and she was always into books and reading she'd be reading all the time and she used to like do really crazy stuff like she'd be into a book and then she'd say right we're gonna you know we're gonna probably to keep me quiet we're gonna act out this um story and you're gonna do this so I remember doing the lion the witch in the wardrobe and she'd put me in the wardrobe and then she'd say (laughs) what floor are you going to and I'd be like oh we're going to floor number five and then she'd start making up these stories you know and Mm -hmm. so like my mind was constantly in this sort of imaginary exciting world i guess and then my dad used to act out stories a lot like yeah. when he'd read to us at night and so i think that was always there in a strange way but i don't remember ever kind of thinking i'm going to be a writer and i'm going to write this down and then when i was about i think when i was about 12 13 i started writing poetry that was really right. bad. Ah, ah, cringe bad poetry as everyone does in mm. those teenage angst <laughs> um hide them away mm. and then i think in school i always i remember my english teacher in school used to say you, why are you writing like dialogue you're not writing stories mm. you're writing dialogue and i'd be like oh that's just how i write like i thought that was part of it you know because we never got taught playwriting, obviously, and I just, in my stories, I used to think about what people would say. That, that's really interesting, because if you're the playwright I've spoken to, 
So they started off writing really short stories or things like that, but, but with you, it was kind of dialogue and scenes from the off then. Yeah, well, more, more dialogue, I think. So I'd be writing a story and then I'd write, like, someone said, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I would think about that more than the story. But I remember her almost telling me that that was wrong, you know, mm. that I should be writing more in a kind of, I don't know, like, proper story way. <laughs> more maybe literally? In yeah, 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 that's the word. That's, the word. that's really strange. But, like... Yeah. I, we, I don't know about you, but playwriting or that form of writing was never touched on in school for me no, at all. No, and no, probably I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue that that existed, really. You know, like we read, like we read plays, mm. you know, but I didn't really know that you could write in that way, you but, know. But then again, when we, when we read plays anyway, it was always kind of either Shakespeare or these really old kind of 19th century, never anything modern, never anything relevant. No, so no, no. I, I don't know why, you know, there should be more drive to, to show, you know, this is what new writing is, this is how yeah. playwriting works. But Definitely, and there's different forms because I think sometimes you don't know you can write in that way. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, how do you know? How do you know you can write dialogue? Or, exactly. And somebody, you know. <laughs> and, and some people think, like, the grammar has to be 100% correct, but it doesn't, as long as it's kind of representative of the way people speak. That's yeah. all you need, I think, yeah. anyway. And um, you went to Lancaster University. Um, and you studied drama. Uh, what was your time at university like? Um, I loved my time at university um, because so it was like the first time I'd been out of Wales. <laughs> like, yay, um, and I decided to go like miles away as well for some unknown reason. Um, I think I just wanted to challenge myself. Mm. I got to that point where I was like, I've got to get out, I've got to do something yeah. a bit crazy. Um, and the course in Lancaster was just, it was just so good because it was so varied. So it was kind of, we studied everything from playwriting to kind of um, performance art to TV drama right. to experimental theatre, you know, and it was very mixed. So one day you'd be acting or devising, the next day you'd be writing. So... I was thinking about this question actually when you sent it through and I thought gosh you know I think all of that definitely has influenced everything I've done since because mm. elements of every part of that course I think have kind of come into my work somehow um, and I you know I rather than doing a sort of acting degree and then going straight into acting I feel like I had the foundations for lots of different things um, which has been been really great, you know, um, as a creative, because then you get to explore lots of different things. Mm. And when you went to uni, did you kind of see yourself as a writer or as a performer? Like, did you have an idea of what you wanted to, what kind of career you wanted to have? I didn't. I didn't. It was one of those where you just, 
you know when in school like you're good at something mm. and then sort of go like drama was my thing I guess that I was good at and then I went to go sign and then did A levels there and again yeah. drama was the thing that I like you know I loved um and so it was just the next obvious step I guess with Lancaster mm. um I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do like I sort of thought oh I might be an actor <laughs> I remember just not having a clue like and I remember like my parents saying well you know you can be a teacher like oh I don't want to be a teacher um you know and yeah and always fighting against that probably because my sister's a teacher right she's an English teacher and um so I think I kind of I was fighting against that you know and she always knew she wanted to be a teacher and that was what she wanted to do um so yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a clue. Like I didn't even know really that being a playwright was a career. Really, yeah. you know, like I never thought. Like I never thought I could come out of uni and be like, I'm going to be a playwright. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a bit bizarre, isn't it? Like, I, I'm just gonna sit in a room and write plays, and then hopefully yeah. someone will put them on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't think you're set up for like in uni. I don't think anyone ever saw no. that, do they? Uh, well, I, I, as someone who graduated last year, like mm. leaving uni, it was like, oh, so now what do I do? Like, because yeah. there aren't any jobs per se. It's not really a job. You just gotta kind of, at least for me, you just gotta kind of make connections with people and send them your work and hopefully it's good enough for some kind of development. But like you never get told that there are no playwriting jobs. No, or even how to go about to do that, you know, like I I remember it took me a good few years to kind of realise that, oh, you can, you know, send it to this mm. company or to this theatre or, you know, all of that stuff like was all a massive learning curve really. And kinda of like who those people are and like Finding the right people, identifying the right people to send your work to. Yeah. And and on that kind of coming out of uni, um, how how kind of easy or difficult was it for you to break into the industry after graduating? So, I think I was a bit of a strange case because. So the good thing that Lancaster did was it made me write a play. Um, right. So as part of my um, last year, we did a playwriting module um, and we had to write a full-length play um, as part of that. So so I wrote my first play, which was called Passed Away, um, as part of that. And then um, when I came home to Wales, um, my tutor, uh, Jim, he, he knew... A company called Northwest Playwrights, um, who right. were working in up there. Yeah, so he said, "Oh, do you mind if I send them your play?" And I was like, "No, that's fine. You know, I don't really know what I'm doing." <laughs> but yeah, so he sent it to them, and um, and they got in touch with me and said, "Oh, now there's a company in Wales called Script Cymru, um, so we're going to send your play to them." So this mm. play just went on a little journey, um, and ended up in Wales. Um, and then I had a phone call from Script Cymru saying we're going to do a reading of 
three plays that have been sent to us and we're just mm-hmm. going to read a few scenes so because you're from Swansea do you want to come along to the Swansea one and we'll read a few scenes of your play and I said yeah no problem you know and um, so we went I went to the Dylan Thomas Centre in Swansea and they had like some actors there and they read my play um, and it was amazing experience to just hear your words you know because I'd never really yeah. had that experience either you know um, and and I'd written that play completely in isolation and handed it in as part of my degree, so I didn't even ever hear it read. Wow, <laughs> um, really? Yeah, yeah. So it was one of those that like was really kind of quite personal mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I suppose I never thought it would. You know, it's one of those things where because you've got to do it for your degree, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't actually think about the outcome of it. Um, yeah. And then after, yeah, and then after that reading, like, I remember Simon Harris, who was um, running Script Cymru at the time, um, said to me, have you sent me this play? And I said, yeah, like, I, I think it was sent a few months back, mm-hmm. and he said, oh, I'm going to go and read it. So that was on the Friday, and on the Monday, he phoned me and said, we want to produce your play. And I was like, what? what? Is this how it works? This is amazing. Oh. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a playwright. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to do a couple of weeks R&D or it was straight, no, we're going to make this. Yeah, which was just like incredible. So we did another reading in Swansea with an invited audience of the whole play. Um, And then we were literally like into production and it was like, this this is the, and I was like 21, I think. Yeah, 21 at the time. So it was such a massive risk for them, you know, just going to go in, new writer, put it on the stage, you know, and let's tour it. Um, but that's what Script Cymru was amazing at, like just actually kind of finding new voices and going, we'll support you through this. Um, and it was an incredible experience, mm. you know. I think at the time I didn't realise it. And now right. I'm like, wow, you know, that that was actually the kind of confirmation that I maybe I needed to go, I can do this. You know, I, I can do it. And kind of the transition between like writing it for uni and writing it as a uni thing and it being professionally commissioned. Did you feel that jump? Did you feel that difference? Kind of, but I didn't know what I was doing. Like, honestly, hands up, like, you know, I, I obviously had gone, you know, I'd done the course and I'd listened to my lecturers and I'd written it in the way that I thought I should write it and I, you know, I'd obeyed the rules and, yeah. and that stuff. But, but that play, a lot of it was written on instinct, you know, and um, right. and I find this really interesting in the journey as well because I think as I've got older, I've worried more about structure and I've worried about the themes and I've worried about what I'm yeah. writing, whereas that play I was like... Let's just do it. Come on, I've got yeah. to do it. You know, it's part of my degree, um, and I didn't, I didn't really think too hard about it. And mm. I remember, like, I think because I was in like quite an experimental course. I remember when we were in the first day of rehearsals for that play, and it's quite an experimental play, and um, it jumps all over the place, and the characters, like, there's not much stage direction, and there's not much about the characters. Right. You can't lean that much about them. And so I remember, like, some of the actors had come from quite acty schools, you know? And so they okay. were saying, you know, like, when, I don't know, they were saying, like, right, we've got to make notes about 
you know, what the character says, what the character does, what, you know, all of those things. Yeah. And nothing. Like, there's literally, like, there wasn't any, enough stuff for them to... But did, like, did you know what the yeah. intentions were and what the objectives were? Yeah, I knew, I knew, when it was there, yeah. but I kind of, I sort of wanted them to put their own stamp on it, Right. and I think I always thought a bit differently about things, you know, I never mm. thought in that, like, some writers, like, will write proper character biogs and profiles, and, and I think that's really good, you know, if you're that kind of writer, but again, I wasn't, I wasn't that kind of writer, and I didn't know if that was good or bad, you know? Yeah. I suppose, like, you were getting to know your process at that time. I want to ask you about your process next, in terms of how that's... What is your process at all? And how has that kind of developed since then? I still think it changes with every play. Like, I don't think I have a very sort of, like, this is my strict process that works with every play. Like, it doesn't, it never does. I wish it did. I wish there was a golden rule that, like, worked, you know. But it doesn't. <laughs> so, I think I've learned that, I've learned the times that I can write. So now I know that, like, it's that that's changed, actually, since having Hartley. Like, yeah. now I know I can write in the morning. I used to always be a night person. Like, I'd always write at night. Now right. I now I have to, like, take hearts to school and then write, um that's my time now um so yeah I think it's, I think it changes for every play but normally like I'll try and write I'll try and force myself to write for a number of hours if I can you know each day just to keep the brain mm. going um because I feel like even if it's rubbish there might be one line in there that's good yeah you know um, and just to keep, yeah, just to keep on it, really. And, um, and then normally I do, like, quite a lot of research before, mm-hmm. um, whereas with Passed Away I didn't. Like, this is what I find really interesting. I think some plays just come to you and land, land, and you just go, I know what it is, and you start writing. Like, so one of my last plays, Tracking, like, that just came to me, like, from a newspaper article, and I just started writing, and I, I remember writing like 15 pages and that first 15 pages has stayed the same. Wow. What, up to draft six. What, what's the play about? So that plays about, um, it's about two men who meet up after 40 years in a sorting office. Right. And um, it, it's revealed that they both committed a sort of crime when they were kids okay. and that revealed through the play but I read a newspaper article and it, it kind of hinted at something like this and then I literally started writing that play because I knew what it was you know whereas other yeah. plays I think it, it took me a lot longer to find out what it was sometimes like two or three drafts and then I go oh that's what it's about that line on page 42 or whatever, you know. Is it, is it like you can kind of see the structure of it immediately? Yeah, and like with some plays, I think, like I've always been quite a dialogue person, so I, mm. I'll start writing dialogue first. Um, but as I've got older, I've started to think much more about structure, um, and I think how that goes hand in hand with the dialogue. And I wish mm-hmm. someone had taught me that, but they never did. Um, 
but yeah I think as I've got older I've started thinking more about that and how I play with those things and you've um I want to talk about the the playwriting workshops that you facilitate with prisoners at Park Prison um how, how did you kind of start these and like what are the challenges and what do you enjoy about running them so I think I've always like I've always taught even though I said I'd never be a teacher I've always secretly taught like so my very first job was teaching like kids in stagecoach in Swansea right they were like three to five year olds but that was like so challenging but so amazing as well because you just realized how like theatrical you could be with three to five year olds yeah. and how like yeah the how theatrical they are actually um so i did that for like seven years i think um every saturday and then um so i've always taught in workshops i've always done workshops for all different like schools everything mm. and then few years back literature wales were, run, were running a program um that was called write for life and they asked for freelance uh, writers from all different disciplines um to go into different prisons and run workshops um with prisoners and so i applied for that because i i was just really interested in kind of running mm. more workshops um and i got it and so i did a few i did a few workshops there and then um, I got on really well with Billy, who is a writer in residence there, like in Park. They've actually got two writers in residence, really? which I think is amazing. So Billy's like um, a novel writer. And there's another guy, Graham, who's a poet. A poet, And right. they are there full time working with prisoners um, and on their writing, which is just yeah. amazing. And um, so every year, me and Billy um, would get together and we'd come up with, they do this thing called Hay in the Park. So when the Hay Festival's on, they actually have um, writers and authors come into the prison and right. um, do talks with the prisoners um, and run workshops. So mm -hmm. every year, me and Billy would then like work with the prisoners on a short play and we'd get them to perform it oh, wow. um, as part of this. Yeah, yeah. so I, I've, I've done that for the past, like, probably about six years. Um, and it's brilliant like I absolutely love it I mean it is challenging only in I suppose with all of these things I think it's about building relationships with people mm. and trust you know and not going in there and going I want your stories and I'm gonna make yeah. it into something you know it's working with people to kind of explore what they want to say I guess um so I found that really fascinating and it's kind of taken me into worlds that I wouldn't have mm. gone into, you know, and and that's what's really great is like real stories with real people. And are they are they kind of mainly open to it, or can it be difficult to engage them with? I think it like it completely depends. Like so, the first group I had were a group of IPP prisoners. Um, so they were on long contract, like long kind of sentences there. Right. And um, so they all were quite angry with the sentences that they got. Um, and so I think they all really had something to say. And we spent weeks with them just talking about that and kind of 
get I got them to do lots of exercises exercises like writing to the judge about what about their sentence and yeah. how unfair it was and you know just like lots of little exercises that kind of got them thinking and sparking ideas so it was a very collaborative process I guess is what you know I'm trying to say yeah um which I think it needs to be rather than me going in going I've got an idea for a play let's write about yeah. you know um and then as the years have gone on like we've tried to find those themes and groups of people that we can sort of explore and it, it definitely is hard sometimes like there's some people who really don't want to engage and then as the weeks go on you slowly you know like one one yeah. guy um I, re I remember a few years back like he wouldn't engage at all and i didn't know what to do and i kept saying to him or like if you you know don't you don't have to come to the classes but he'd still come you know right. and he'd sit there and even though he wouldn't say anything i knew he was taking it in and then like it was about week six out of eight and he just handed me like a chunk of like writing that he'd been doing on his own, you know. And it was amazing, wow. like absolutely amazing. And um, I think it's about that, like just giving mm. people time to get to know you and build a relationship with you. Um, and just almost kind of, I think my role is more to facilitate them to write than me kind of going yeah, I see write you. for you. Yeah, kind of giving them almost the platform to be able to or to feel comfortable to write in that, yeah in that. and have a voice you know yeah. although actually your stories are you know need to be told and and it, it like one of them was fascinating because we got them to write a bit about kind of their past and stuff and mm. i remember the guys watching actors doing that you know actors being them and yeah. we worked a lot with the physicality and and like you know that stuff and one of the boys after like was like oh my god it was like looking at myself and he was quite shaky you know because he had almost relived mm. what had happened yeah and i think things like that at least you know it, it, it's challenging for them but i think he learned a lot from that process you know actually seeing his words being reflected back and experiencing yeah. that. that was really interesting the mm. fact that um i'm gonna move on um, slightly. Um, as well as a playwright, you uh, also make TV documentaries. Um, how did you kind of start and get into this type of work? Um, how do you select the topics that you make your documentaries about? So, the TV thing, again, when I came out of uni and didn't really know what I was doing, mm. um, I... I applied at that time. There was this amazing company called Cover, who offered opportunities for um, anybody kind of who wanted to get into the TV industry. And so, what they would do, they'd pay you like um, I think it was seventy-five pound a week or something. But they would put you with like different TV companies in Cardiff, right? Um, and you would work for those TV companies. Um, and then, like, the, the hope would be, you did it for a year, and the hope would be that then those TV companies would employ you. So, yeah. for my first year, like, I got put on such amazing, like, just such a range of different things. So, I was doing kids' TV, I was doing, I did a property programme called Hot Houses um, as a researcher. <laughs> And I learned like loads, you know, because it was all about, right, you have to pick up the phone, you have to speak to like yeah. such a different range of people. 
Um, so again, thrown a bit in the deep end. Um, so I was mainly as a researcher on that. Um, and I worked for like a number of companies. And then in my last placement, I was with a company called Alfresco and they kept me on for like right. two years contract. So suddenly I was getting great TV money. Um, I was able to write and do that. On like That was almost giving me the money to be able to write. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. But it was also yeah, but it was also really creative. So I was meeting lots of creative people. Um so that was really good. And that so TV's always been there as well. Like I think that's the thing that's kind of always got me through. Um being able to pay the bills probably, you know. But then mm. um I when was it? It was probably two thousand and ten. So I'd been doing TV work, doing writing, and then I think 2000, no, maybe later, it was 2000, maybe 14, um, I met a guy called Chris Rushton, who was making documentaries about homelessness in Swansea. Right. And I was from Swansea, so he was like, oh, you know, come and meet me in one of the drop-in drop centres and let's have a chat. So I went to meet him and um, I got that job and I was like, oh, brilliant. I was only supposed to make like one documentary. <laughs> and then I just got sucked into that world mm -hmm. and like we ended up making 11 documentaries like on the streets of Swansea um, with the same people over right. like... I think it was over three or four years eventually telling their stories um so and it was amazing experience like again i think as a writer i crave stuff like that like i mm. I, I have to be in the real world you know i can't sit at my desk and just imagine stuff like i, I no. wish i could um but i almost have to feel that and know what's going on out there because i think that's important and uh, like do you think Element to your playwriting practice and use it when you make documentaries and vice versa Kind of I think it's all about people isn't it and connections mm. and so I think If you're good with people and you can talk to people mm. and you you know are able to kind of Excavate those stories from people yeah. um, It all helps you know and sometimes again, I probably didn't realize it, but I it would those words or those that language or like things that happened to me in those situations would be in my head and I would write them down and then later they would come in seep into a play somehow you know yeah. um because I don't think it's always there I think like sometimes it takes years for a play to kind of mm -hmm. come from your mind um and especially about something you definitely want to write about so yeah, it was a brilliant experience. And then from there, like me and Chris decided to set up our own company because I felt like I found the thing that I wanted to make in documentaries. I felt like telling real stories was actually the thing that I've mm. always wanted to do in writing and in and in um, TV. So um, we set up our own company called Gritty. Um, and so now we make uh, documentaries and radio programs um, for BBC. Um, and yeah, that's just been a, mm -hmm. like a really great experience, really, as a you know, an extra thing. And uh, how do you go about kind of selecting the stories that you want to tell? Is it just about lots and lots of research or finding things which resonate with you or interest you? Yeah, I think it's a mix of those things, and again, I think like that's what works as a writer because I think as a writer you have to be a really good researcher 
Like, I think that's how you learn, you know. You have to be able to research and be able to tell stories from different angles. And um, so I think that grounding as a researcher really helped me um, with writing. Um, but for stories, yeah, like, it, it was interesting because with the homeless one, like, the journey of that, of kind of meeting people over those three years. And then we met a lot of girls on the streets and a lot of them were kind of um, sex workers. And then, you know, that led me to kind of, oh, no, we need to make a documentary about that now. Yeah. Um, so that led to that. And then also a lot of those people on the streets were like having lots of problems with um, benefits and, um, you know, not being paid and not having a fixed address so they weren't able to get their benefits. And there were lots yeah. of obstacles in their way. And so I think all of those questions then led us to, battling with benefits documentary and you know you almost like you find the subjects from the last thing you've done almost okay i see what you mean yeah like you take an element to the previous one and say like how can we expand on that there's more there there's more material that can be excavated from yeah. that i guess and almost sometimes like you do come across a story like sometimes i'm reading the newspaper and i go wow that's a great story yeah. and that's something you know that we need to explore further and the last so the radio program that we've just made um it's about performance artists in bulgaria and right. that's because we've been spending a lot of time in bulgaria and I was just amazed at like how risky the performance art scene is in Bulgaria, like compared to here. And how, like, how do you what, mean risky? I mean like just sort of they would put things on stage that we'd be like, whoa, okay. that's yeah. just a bit like I don't know. Like I hadn't seen anything as risky as that since like Lancaster days probably here right. like I haven't seen things like that in Wales I guess and I was just interested in that and like why artists there maybe feel more free to do that I don't mm. know um so I've interviewed three different performance artists um for that program and that'll go out in January but that's mainly come from me spending time there and going nice. wow this is going on here and this is really interesting to me, like, mm -hmm. you know, um, so that's definitely just come from an interest sort of point of view. And, um, let me just refer back to my questions. Um, You're totally well off No, no, it's fine. <laughs> was there a particular one that was most difficult to make? Did you find? Like, um, I think... The homeless ones were really difficult just because actually putting yourself in that situation, mm. you know, a lot of the time I think it was quite hard going home to a bed when you'd been with people all day who didn't have anywhere to go. Um, and in particular, like, there was one night at Christmas where, like, it was snowing. We'd been out filming with a guy who um, had said he was going to sleep in the car for the night. And just leaving right. him and then going back oh. to like my mum's house in Swansea with my nice warm bed and all of that stuff. Like it just makes you question lots of stuff. You yeah. Know? Um, and so I think that one was hard in that way and it was a massive sort of journey for me, I guess. Um, and then the selling sex to survive one that we did in Newport, like 
that one I felt it was quite dangerous like a lot of the time I was like what am I doing like literally in situations where there were like a lot of drug dealers a lot of you know men and pimps around who weren't happy that we were interviewing their girlfriends and you know like I found that really like it was dangerous Mm. and I think I didn't realize how dangerous that was you know um and I suppose it was almost having to go through that actually taught me a lot as well, you know, about myself. Yeah. You know, because it's, it was really challenging, um, but also for the girls who, like, were in that position and who almost, like, their lives sort of went a mm. different way because of one thing. And it just makes you question that as well, I think. Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. I'm going to... Um, because you recently adapted your play No Vacancies into a film. Um, how did this come about and can you talk a bit about the challenges of adapting one medium into another? Yeah, so this one, um, <laughs> I love it when everything links, it's so strange. So this one, when, when I did Passed Away, yeah. Um, Wyndham Price was good friends with Simon Harris and he came right. into the rehearsal room one day to um, watch a rehearsal of Passed Away and I met Wyndham um, and uh, we got on great and that was that and then like we'd always kept in touch because he'd always say oh what are you writing you know keep me keep me updated and Wyndham was an actor but he now runs a um, film company called Spinning Head Films so he'd been making films then you know like from then on and I always got invited to like you know go and see the latest one or whatever yeah um and I loved I absolutely loved his work and then in 2010 I got commissioned by the Sherman to make No Vacancies um, and at that time, the Sherman was shut, and so it was being refurbished. Right. And so they decided that all, they commissioned four writers to write plays in the city. Um, but it had to be in, like, a place in the city. So mine, I decided to do it in the Big Sleep Hotel. So it was in a hotel room. Um, so we were only able to have ten people in the audience. Oh, right. I know, because <laughs> it was a hotel room. So that was quite exciting um, and um, great. And then Wyndham came to see that play. Mm. Um, and then oh, it took years. So that was 2010. And then, like, I think I sent him the script of it after that and he read it. And he was straight away like, I want to make this into a film because I feel <laughs> it's really filmic, you know. Um, and... So for years and years, we just talked about it, really, and kind of would meet and talk about it and how we could adapt it. And then Mm. we spent a few days kind of adapting it. And it didn't need that much adaptation, to be honest. I mean, the main thing with it was, like, there was a lot of language in it that just could get cut because for theatre, obviously, you almost Mm. have to have the words, but for film, you can do it visually. So... For example, there's a maid character, and one of her first speeches is, knock on the door three times, she says. And like, Wyndham was like, cut, we don't need it. You can do it. that visually, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so it was great to do that, to just almost go, how do we see it, you know? Um, 
And so, yeah, it took, it's taken like 10 years probably since I sent him the scripts to like get the money and do mm. all of that stuff that you need for film. Um, and then they filmed it last year. Right. Um, yeah, and um, and then we were going to have a kind of sh- showing of it. I think it's all finished now. We're going to have a showing of it this year, but obviously because of the pandemic, COVID, that's yeah. not been able to happen. But yeah, it'd be really nice to see. Like it, I, I've seen, obviously, the mm-hmm. final version, but it'll be really nice to see what other people think of it because it's changed quite a lot mm. from the theatre. Like, I think the theatre thing could be so intimate, especially because we were in a hotel room. Mm. You know, that intimacy of the play was so important to me. But with the film, it's almost like you can go big. So there's lots of nice sort of shots of the hotel within the space. And, you know, um, and we can go to, like, the characters' homes and stuff, which we couldn't do in the theatre thing. Was that quite freeing, or did you kind of feel you were losing something? from what the play was? I think you just have to think of it in a different way because I think it just is a different medium and like in a way it was freeing because it it was good to be able to go no we don't need that we don't need that we don't need that and to be fair like Wyndham really held my hand through it Mm because I'd never done this before and like he obviously does it all the time so he was brilliant at just going look we can just shoot the whole script and then we can like deal with it after you know like if we want to get rid of lines or play with stuff Mm -hmm. so um it's just really nice to see somebody else's interpretation of your work isn't it like yeah exciting and seeing what they read to it and they might have an angle that you wouldn't have thought of which means you see it in a completely different way i guess yeah and like because I think in the theatre version, because everything was in that hotel room, so mm-hmm. by the end of the play, it did feel so suffocating and so like, oh. but with the film version, like because we've been able to go to the characters' houses and we've seen the outside world more, like I think it definitely brings a different element to it, if that yeah. makes sense. Like it definitely brings another layer, which gives those characters more round, more rounded, I guess, you know, make yeah. them more rounded. Um, I want to talk about the Banksy project, uh, which I'm really excited about seeing, <laughs> um, which you're currently working with Paul on, um, which is based on the Banksy that appeared in Photo Albert last Christmas. Um, how the, how's it how's it coming along? What kind of stage are you at with it now? So we have just done we did a second R and D um during lockdown mm. um with actors. So we had five actors um and we tried out we've got a three act script now, so we tried oh. we tried that out <laughs> um <laughs> with them um over Zoom. Um and it worked really well actually it was it was good it went went really well um so yeah we're at that point and then we're just kind of currently in talks with the showman about kind of when where what um will happen yeah so fingers crossed i think we need to get a bit more material because um there was like a few little bits missing that we kind of realized when we did the r&d we were like oh it would be really nice to have this or it would be really nice to have this um because the main thing was kind of finding out who were our main characters in in the piece um so there were tiny things that it would be nice to have extra so 
I think it's a matter of us going back and getting those and then submitting a new draft to the show. Right. And because it's like a verbatim piece, uh, is it more difficult to get those character journeys right? Um, do you know what? It's been, this one has been such a joy because I think taking the pressure off writing it and actually just having those voices, you've got it yeah. all there. So it's like, all I've got to do is order it, if that makes sense. Yeah. You just need to order yeah. it rather than thinking like oh god we should definitely have said that or you know as a writer mm. you're constantly thinking aren't you like well, what's that mean what's that mean well you've got it so you're yeah. like this this is what we've got so we've got this is the pot this is what we've got to work with um so it's exciting because of that you know and paul's just got such amazing material like it's brilliant and um so it's been really nice for me to almost sit back and go, okay, how do we order it? Or like yeah. be that other voice going, right, I really think we need that or we need that. Or, yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing it when, when it's on. Hopefully it'll be on. Are you going to bring it to Potoba as well as Cardiff? Yeah, we want to. Like, I think that's our big thing of like where in Potoba we take it, I guess. Um, but yeah, it would be great to almost start in Port Alba. Yeah. Um, I think that would be so nice, especially with all the relationships mm. that Paul's built up with the people there and stuff. So Definitely. yeah, and it's such just such a great story, you know. Mm. And it's like it's not just a Welsh story, and I think that's what's really exciting about it. Is like it is a Welsh story, but it's got massive kind of themes mm. and you know things that kind of. I don't know, are big or on a bigger scale. It's like universal themes. It's about it's about community, isn't it? I guess, and it's about you know identity as well. Not just hotel, but not just about Wales. But you could transplant that into any kind of working class, post-industrial town in the UK or Europe or the world even. So yeah. there is a universality about it. I think. Definitely. Um, so your play Ripples, which is a co-production between the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama, The Sherman and The Gate, uh, which was directed by Matthew Hunkest, um, was, um, produced online recently. So what was that kind of thing like of having to put the play in an online format? Yeah, it was a strange one. Like, I think for a lot of people who, you know, had plays on just right at that time. So, you know, it was supposed to, um, supposed to kind of be performed the week after we sort of got locked down. Oh. So it was the beginning of March. Um, so we literally were in a dress rehearsal when we were told. And it was like, oh, God, this get in. God, this Absolutely get in. Yeah, so gutting, and especially for those students, because they've worked so hard, and it was like their final piece, and it just felt like, oh, we were getting there, you know. And I think it's tough, because I think, you know, so much work has gone into all of that, and also into the set, and all of that stuff that you can't, you know, you then don't see in an mm -hmm. online version, you know. Um, and obviously a lot of things needed changing as well, because we almost had to keep everybody in their room, whereas... 
um, in the theatre version, a lot of the time they were in a circle together. Yeah. And, like, the activity would happen in the circle. Um, so, like, there were a lot of decisions made around that. Um, so actually having them in their room meant that a lot of the scenes that happened outside of their rooms we couldn't have, so those were cut. And so, like, that was quite hard as a writer because I think you want the best for your play and you almost want to see it in the best way. But then yeah. I also felt like, how is this play going to be seen? You know, when will it be seen? And we really, I really wanted to give those actors who've worked so hard, like, a chance to showcase their their talents, really. Um, so, yeah, it was a kind of really quick adaptation, I guess. Um, and... Um, there were things that obviously now I think I would have done differently um but mm. in the time frame and kind of where we were at I'm, I'm glad that it got a showing you know and you can were you satisfied with it as a kind of end product compared to what you'd originally written what you originally envisaged that it would be Oh, it's always hard, isn't it, I think, as a writer, because I mm. think you always, you're never happy. <laughs> never happy. There's always going to be something, isn't there? So, um, yeah, like, I think the hardest bit for me was, like, the thing for me that made that play theatre was, like, the reenactments. So right. when the people in the therapy got other people to reenact their stories, and on the online version, we couldn't do that. So we ended up using film for the reenactments. But for me, there was something about those human relationships and who was chosen to do the reenactments and yeah. the whole theatricality of reenactments that actually added another layer to that play. Yeah, I can see what that you mean. Yeah. So, so whereas, yeah, whereas like, I suppose in an online version that didn't come across so I think that was difficult for me as a writer because I think when we're talking about form and structure and all of that stuff like yeah. that at all will come into consideration when writing that play yeah and I see then, what you mean you know that kind of being unable to sort of show that like makes it a different play yeah there's that element which is lost because you haven't got that thing like yeah. is it is it I mean it's the same with a lot of online stuff isn't it mm. like the liveness of it and just those relationships and the little things you can do with touch and and you know there was a beautiful moment that Matt directed at the end of that play where the whole cast are facing um a wall and this wall had like a crack in it um and through oh, the play nice. the crack of the set grew um, and the last bit is them all facing the wall, like ready to go into the outside world. And we couldn't do that online, you no. know, so it was like little elements like that, which I think were lost, actually. Mm. Um, but I'm proud of what they did, mm. you know, in such a short space of time. And I'm glad it got an air in because it's like it was one of those plays that I really feel I felt like something was happening. And I mm. felt like I needed to write that. Uh, is there any kind of hope that it will be seen on a stage in future? Well, at present, I'm, talk there's, um, I'm talking to there's a comp um, um, someone I've been working with in Colic Gwent, and they want to do it as like part of their 
food your degree right. show or something so like that would even be nice just to see it like yeah. in the riverfront or somewhere you know that would just yeah. be nice to see it in a space but um in another strange way like when going back to what we're talking about of like what theater we should be making like i'm not sure it is a play for now like i feel like it is a play for then and yeah now i feel like that trauma of that play is almost we've passed it if that makes sense can, can you like explain a little bit more what you mean kind of like so i think that, that play like it's about trauma and yeah it's about um and i think temperature of the world and what was going on really influenced why I wrote that play like obviously yeah. not knowing that corona was going to happen but there was something about <laughs> like the trauma of the world that was kind of bubbling away mm -hmm. and that I felt like oh there's something here I've got to write about so that happening in March meant we were in a completely different place to where we're at now yeah and I'm not sure I'd want to go to a, see a play about trauma now you know after everything we've been through since i know what yeah. you mean yeah yeah like i'm not like someone was saying oh you know we're all going to be writing comedy and i'm like no i don't think that's right either. no but it's like i don't know what that balance is i don't know for me like that play was very then i i feel like i've moved yeah. somewhere different if that makes sense i think it'd be interesting to see what kind of work is being made after this pandemic and what we end up seeing um yeah but the last thing i wanted to ask you was how I, is how i finish every episode is kind of what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in the industry especially considering the times we're living in right now i think I was thinking about this because you you sent it to me and I was like, oh, what would I say? And so the thing that I always like fall back on in these situations is like this Samuel Beckett quote, which is, um, try again, fail again, fail better. Wow. That's powerful. I think it's so important to fail. Like, I don't think we're told that enough and I wish somebody had told me it's all right put some work out there and fail yeah. and get a really rubbish review. It's all right. You've, you've done something, you've made something creative and for a hundred people who may hate it, there may be two people mm. that love it, you know? Um, I think we get so caught up in all of that and I think a lot of people stop because of it, but actually it is about resilience and it is about going, do you know what? I failed. I fit up, hands up, that wasn't mm. the best play of mine. You know, but I can try again and I can learn from that. Uh, yeah, you do take things from, like, dying on your own. It's like, on, but it's about scale, though, isn't it? I guess you can fail if you fail when you're kind of my age and just starting out. You're, first, you're less likely to have that later in your career, I guess, when you become more established. Maybe. I think all artists do, though. I think, like, you look back at anyone's work, like, you look at Pinter's plays and some of right. his early plays, you're like, what? Is that what we were doing? You know, and they never get right. to do Like, Dennis Kelly, like, you know, like, you look at some of his early plays, like, 
you know, like everybody's learning with every yeah. play you're learning. Like that's the only way you you can learn. You know, um, I don't think there's anyone like that writes the perfect play every single time. You know, there's always going to be something. Mm. There's always going to be something that's not that's not right. You know, Definitely. so I think it's about like I think you have to get your work get your work seen and do what you can to to do that. Um, and almost just keep creating. I think that's the most important mm. thing. If that makes you happy yeah. as well, you know, like I think you almost have to find that balance between, yeah, what makes you happy and what you want to do. Thanks, Tracy. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thanks for, thanks oh for coming goodness. on. And I will catch you in the next episode of In Lockdown With, where my guests will be. Craig Coombs, who is a senior lecturer in dance at Nipotoma College, who will be talking about the impact of the coronavirus on arts education. But until then, it's bye from me, so I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.